Welcome to SBO Perspectives, the pulse of school business. And the official podcast of ASBO International. The official podcast. And I am Dr. Jack R. Mitchell here along with the esteemed John Bricado. And John, today I can say that what we do can have real major impact uh, yeah. because this episode, you know, we're going to get into um, really, really, really has a high uh, impact level for me. And I think even for you and all of our listeners as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we're taking a step back from the technical pieces of our work. And what we really should be doing in practice every every day of our lives is taking a moment to focus on ourselves and our mental health. Mm-hmm. And that, that's exactly what we're bringing to you uh, today on today's episode. We have uh, Dr. Jane Crawford, uh, Assistant Superintendent of Support Services at the Ferguson Fluorescent School District. And she has recently ascended to the district office in her current role but is really kind of the resident expert on mental health and what it takes to create a healthy organization. So we go through all different kinds of uh, tactics and ways to address mental health and and really promote self-care and really kind of break that norm of that hustle culture we have here in the United States. So we're really excited to bring in this conversation today. So here's our interview with Dr. Jane Crawford. Today on the podcast, we have Dr. Jane Crawford. Jane is the Assistant Superintendent of Support Services in the Ferguson Fluorescent School District located in St. Louis, Missouri. Dr. Crawford, welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to join. Hi, Dr. Crawford. Uh, We've heard so many great things about you. And so um, we're really excited for you to be on and uh, to give us that that information that we're all uh, really looking forward to. to learn more about. Um, but before we do, though, um, with anyone who comes on here, we'd like to our listeners to gain a sense of who you are. So if you don't mind maybe taking a moment or so to, just to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background experience. Absolutely. So I'm Jane Crawford. I have a doctorate in educational leadership from St. Louis University. And so um Although we're talking about mental health today, I just want to make sure that everyone knows that I am a, um, I am an educator. I am not a medical doctor. <laughs> not technical clinical advice today. Right? No, no, exactly. <laughs> um, and I work in Ferguson Florissant, and that is where I've dedicated my entire career. I started as a teacher in Ferguson Florissant in. 1993. And I've done um, administrative work at um, high school and elementary school. I served as a principal of two of our school district's high schools, and then one elementary school in our school district. And um, just this past year, I made the switch to assistant superintendent of support services. And so this was my very first year serving in that role. And um, And so I like to tell people that I've dedicated my entire life to the children of uh, the community in Ferguson, Florissant. And I'm very, um, I'm very much a proponent for healthy, active, achieving kids and healthy schools. That's awesome. You know, I mean, when you say you like to tell people that, you already have without even having to tell them, you know? I mean, (laughs) all the work you just stated you've done. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think also, too, that the work that you've done and your experience together, um, 
makes you an expert in, in this field, believe it or not, if, if you are not a clinical doctor, but you do have that experience. So we do appreciate you again. Thanks for yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. So, and so tell us just quick before we jump into it, how has the first year gone going from building leadership <laughs> yeah. to district leadership? <laughs> It's been different and um, it's it was a lot of learning for me, which I love learning. And so the thing that the thing that's great about when you're learning new things every day is that uh, time flies, you know, when you're having sure fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we've done some things that I'm really proud of this year and we've gotten some put supports put into place that I'm very proud of that I think are going to um, really enhance uh kids outcomes and teachers outcomes so um so for that reason i feel like it was a successful year oh that's wonderful to hear and congratulations again on, on moving over to uh the dark side as we call yeah, it <laughs> thank you thank you yeah but but so as you said as you were kind of giving us a little bit of your background our focus today is mental health and okay. that's something that jack and i have wanted to discuss in the podcast for a long time you know jane as we were talking offline we, we sometimes as business officials get into a very technical role, get into the numbers and capital projects and all of that stuff, but we can't forget about mental health of ourselves, our staff, uh, and, and those throughout the district and, and, and our students, of course. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we know as educators and being a part of an educational organization, uh, districts that don't spend time on mental health oftentimes see a loss in productivity, low morale, and just kind of issues overall that affect the organization and their culture. Uh, you know, there could be financial implications to that associated with high turnover, trying to bring new people in an organization. But if you're not treating the root cause of the issue, uh, you know, you're going to have these issues going on, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in perpetuity. So can you kind of lay the foundation for us? Like, what do you classify as, as mental health? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. what are you seeing more recently why this is becoming such a front burner item and such a, a relevant issue to organizations, even outside of education? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I think that when you think about mental health, you have the, um, the doctor's versions of, you know, just mental health what uh, what those disorders are that people can come down with um, versus what I think that we are really more um, involved with, with everyone in schools is social emotional well-being, right? right. Because social emotional well-being is the precursor to um, mental health. And if if people aren't regulated and balanced and rested, that is when um, troubles can start to arise with our mental health. That's when people get overly, overly stressed out, become overwhelmed. Um, some of those issues of genuine mental health, like anxiety, can really start to um, act up when people are tired and unregulated and those types of things. And so having um, a very, very clear pulse on and valuing social, emotional well-being in our schools and in our, in our, our, our organizational cultures is, I think, really important for, um, for people who are creating 
the um, culture of the organization to try to embrace and then kind of keep tabs on, you know, like take the temperature, make sure that there are offerings and that people are accessing them and that we're talking to them about, you know, what they're accessing and are they getting out of it, what they would like and what they need. And, um, you know, having that open communication about that, um, I think can really go a long way towards making sure that our organization is balanced in terms of social emotional well-being for everybody. Yeah. And and the social emotional well-being is oftentimes couched in conjunction with students and curriculum and, and, kind of baking mm-hmm. that in. Uh, are you seeing that happen in school districts around you where that social emotional well-being is part of the student experience and the student curriculum? And how mm-hmm. is that now linking to the adults? How, how is the, the social emotional well-being of students related to staff throughout your district? Right, right. right. Yeah. Well, um, Yes. In, in Ferguson Florissant, we have a social emotional learning curriculum and there are times carved out at all levels, all grade levels for teachers to work with students on the lessons that are embedded inside of the social emotional learning curriculum. Um, you know, if one person is dysregulated, it can create an, uh, a cascade where everybody can become dysregulated, right? And, you know, if you have um, teachers who are dysregulated, it kind of reminds me of, you know, after I, after I had babies um, when I was younger, um, someone gave me a sticker that read, uh, if mama's not happy, ain't nobody happy. And that's kind of the way <laughs> that funny. it is in Can't the relate, classroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. the, you know, the teacher is the weather. The teacher is the, uh, person who controls the, the, the climate and the culture in the classroom. And mm-hmm. so everybody needs to be able to, to understand what regulation is and how to stay regulated. And, um, you know, when we were at home during COVID, which Ferguson Florissant, unfortunately, was home for a long time, we we were out of school for about a year. And we forgot how to use some of our social skills in the process. And so it's really that social social emotional learning has been really important post COVID coming back so that everybody has a chance to reacclimate and have reminders around how to, um, how to use our manners, how to stay regulated, what to do if we're starting to feel like we're becoming dysregulated and that, and all of those strategies are good for kids as well, as well as adults. (laughs) And I know this may be a hard question to answer, but do you feel as a district in your culture, have you returned to those pre-COVID social norms and not being yet. where you kind of left off or you still have a lot of work we're to go? S- we're still struggling. Yeah, yeah, not yet. It's a it's a work in progress. And I think it's going to take quite some time. And you know what? P- we need to give people the time that they need. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it makes a sense. Lot of our, a lot of our kids, you got to remember we had kids who were going into COVID as five-year-olds and never had a school experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say one the, the, the biggest memory I had was the immediate realization when I was watching kindergartners get off the bus 
with masks on. Mm -hmm. That's all they know in public mm -hmm. ed. And mm -hmm. it was just, it, it hit home to see that. And, mm -hmm. you know, as you said, we're, we're still not back yet, even mm -mm. some years later. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yep. Now, now there's, for those, you know, that understand mental health and, and, and how that that's, you know, something that's affecting their lives of, of themselves as well as their loved ones. There's a distinction between mental health and mental illness, right? Um, and, mm -hmm. I, and I just want to maybe let's talk about that for a minute, um, mm -hmm. not to kind of go off topic, but just so mm -hmm. folks listening can understand. I mean, in what you've encountered, what what do you think has been the most common form of mental illness? And I guess um, what what is pretty much the hardest to deal with? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Hands down, nationwide, the most common mental illness diagnoses that people receive are anxiety and depression. Those are the two most common. Mm. Um, and however, in Ferguson Florissant, a lot of our students we um, know are coming to school um, with trauma with evidence of trauma in their, okay. in their backgrounds. And that and manifests, right? Yeah. Trauma manifests. Trauma, trauma um, impacts brain development for children. Mm. So when, when students have a certain amount of traumatic incidents and they, um, and they maybe, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of um, uh, the ACE test, Adverse childhood experiences. Oh no! So adverse childhood experiences. There's a there's a test that can be taken, and it talks about all the different kinds of adverse experiences we might have had as child. Were we um, were we in a family that experienced divorce, for example? Were we in a family who experienced okay. homelessness? Were we in a family that experienced some sort of violence? Um, and the more the more points that people get, the more the higher their ACEs score is. And, um, and as a result of that, um, we then see children's brains developing differently. Mm. Is the ACEs test something you use pretty regularly in your district to kind of get a baseline of where your student we population is? We don't. We don't. This is a test that's typically used like in a pediatrician's office. Oh, got right? it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But we do have um, we do have a partnership with um, a um, health program in Ferguson, Florissant. It's called Hazel. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. every child in our school district is offered um, offered the opportunity to uh, participate in therapy with Hazel Heart. And so through our partnership with Hazel Hart, we know that that the, many of our students who, who end up seeking therapy with their parents' permission do um, have issues because of the fact that they've endured adverse childhood experiences and trauma. Okay. And what that means for teachers then is that teachers in Ferguson, Florissant, who work with these kids can become susceptible to secondhand trauma. Oh, interesting. And secondhand trauma can really adversely affect a teacher's ability to be healthy mentally, right? Mm, serious stuff. 
Yeah. So, so one of the things that I try to work on with my staff um, is ways to um, protect themselves from um, trauma. And, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword because uh, we want all educators to be caring, empathetic, um, responsive to children's needs. And while also maintaining their own healthy self in the process, right? You want a both and situation. Yeah. Well, that has to be challenging because trying to strike that balance, you're you're walking a very fine line. Yeah, I'm sure Mm -hmm. it is. And you're Mm -hmm. trying to support your staff and your students, but you're also trying to insulate yourself from being susceptible to the same things you're trying to assist with. So Mm -hmm. what, Mm -hmm. what kind of recommendations can you give to help strike that balance? Right. Well, you know, one of the things um, about America that I think that we all have to kind of come to grips with is that Americans aren't really like um, the, we aren't the, um, the beacon of self, um, uh, of, of, of self care. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we're like, we're like the hustle culture. We like yep. to, we like to work really hard and we like to brag about how we're not Keep getting going. sleep yep. and we like mm-hmm. to not take our vacation days, you know, yep. like, Energize and, and bunny. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. And so I think that, um, you know, as, uh, as, as a person who's supporting teachers, we need to call that out, right. Mm-hmm. We need to call mm-hmm. out the fact that that's not healthy and that yeah. we need breaks and we need people need to be um, respected for the time that they that they that they pour into their job and they need to be um, compensated for the time that they pour into their job. Sure. And uh, when people do engage in self-care, that should be something that is promoted and accepted and not shamed. Right. Right. And um, and so yeah. tr- trying to trying to like kind of flip that switch, because uh, that's a, like a really deeply ingrained cultural thing that we've got going on in America. that's just not good for anybody, quite honestly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, well yeah. said. And can you speak to why you think mental health and that self-care is so important and why it, in the in the context of it affecting other pieces of your life. So even like your physical condition, like what, why is mental health to you such an important piece? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the, there are, if you, if you do some reading or, around research about the impacts of mental health, there's clear links between mental health and physical health, right? And, you know, our bodies are just very, all of the systems in our bodies are integrated connected. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. um, so when you have a problem with mental health, then it ends up impacting your physical health. So Mm -hmm. like, for example, um, when we are, when we're struggling with too much stress and anxiety and we're not getting enough sleep and our diet is poor, um, our body compensates by, um, by creating a lot of cortisol Cortisol is that hormone that uh, helps us regulate all that stress and anxiety. And cortisol causes us to hold on to belly fat, right? Because cortisol says, oh, no, we're in danger and we need to protect our vital organs. 
So we're going to pack all of this fat around our stomach and our, our kidneys and our lungs. And that way we're going to be safe because when the saber-toothed tiger comes to tackle us as we're out in the forest, they won't be able to chew through and they won't be able to. But here we are in modern day America. And so we're carrying these symptoms of stress and anxiety around us, around our waists, right? Because that's where all the cortisol is hanging out because we're so stressed out. And, um, but the bottom line is that if you get enough sleep and if you take a daily walk and if you make sure you get some sunshine every day and you do the things that help promote self-care, it's going to naturally bring your cortisol levels down, which is going to help you um, become healthier, right? Right. And then if cortisol becomes too out of hand, then all of a sudden you become insulin resistant. And then all of a sudden you become, um, you have the risk of becoming maybe a type two diabetic or something like that. Gee, how many Americans these days are becoming type two diabetic? Do you think it has anything to do with the the hustle culture that we are, uh, experiencing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all related, right? And I think yeah. it's a vicious cycle too, because mm-hmm. I mean, you get stressed out, and then it has an impact on your 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 physical makeup and your physical appearance, and that may further cause you more anxiety because you're not happy with how you look or how you feel, mm-hmm. and then it's just mm-hmm. it just keeps snowballing. Yeah, right. Exactly. Effect. Yeah. Exactly. So, so mm-hmm. Dr. Crawford, like you've really, uh, I would say, allayed many examples here of teacher stress and burnout, and and how mm-hmm. you know these have been common problems that have led to depression or anxiety and other health mis- mental mm-hmm. health issues, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so without disclosing any personal um, encounters, because this is a sensitive subject here, um, you know, I- I'm more so curious, when you talked about earlier, this um, secondhand trauma effect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and how you combat that, how has that maybe even gone further as far as possibly affecting this, this staff? Maybe like a, a triple aspect where if maybe a teacher gets a second hand and then almost like a virus it spreads to other teachers. Mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. you seen any overall impact, um, I guess negatively or positively in staff as far as like how that's something that could really be corrected more? Right. So, you know, I think that um, being carefully crafting a culture that supports um, helping one another supporting one another and, um, and promoting self-care, um, amongst your staff is, is really key. And yeah, I think that that's very much key. My worry though, is that so many, we're, we're so, as, as a culture, we're not good at this. This is not one of our strengths. Right. And we get, um, and sometimes we get things conflated and we think that, we think things are self-care that are not self-care. And we think things that aren't self-care are, you know, like we think that getting a massage table during teacher appreciation week is, is a great example of self-care. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> while that is, <laughs> while that is very kind and, and, and a nice little treat for teachers, that's not self-care. Right. You're really I mean, only kind of treating a symptom at that point. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, so we have to, we have to learn what it is and what it isn't. And we have to empower people 
one of the things about self-care is that a person has to be empowered to do it because where does it start? It starts with yourself. Right. Yeah. And you're the one who has to do it, take it. Now, sometimes I think that, you know, as administrators, we can give people permission. You know, we want you to go home at a certain time because you need to be with your family. You need to, you know, wind down, read a book, take a bath, um, get a good night's sleep. These things are important to us. Having you here in the building at 9 p.m., trying to get ready for the next day is not something that I value as your as your leader or that our school culture values because it's more important for us to um, to have you at your best, which means that you're going to take care of yourself. So, um, you know, like really being explicit around the fact that we want to give people permission to self-care and then, and then spending some time teaching people how to self-care. Um, one of the things that I'm going to offer for next year, I don't know, I don't know how popular it'd be, but I, as a side note, I used to teach English. And so I'm a big, like English kind of a, of a uh, person. And I love to do like a little book study. So, (laughs) (laughs) so when you are being led in a department that I run, you get to do book studies. So anyway, (laughs) so I'm going to offer 180 days of self-care for busy educators uh, in Ferg floor. And it's a, it's a, like um, the book is a um, consumable. So it's like part journal. So it gives you um, strategies to try and then it gives you journal prompts where you can kind of mark your progress and talk about what you did and if it worked, et cetera. And so um, I'm going to offer that to teachers and I'm going to get a certain number of books that will um, give away to the teachers who sign up first. Actually, I'll, I'll let anybody, anyone in education join. It won't just be exclusively for teachers. Um, and then we're going to have some um, periodic Zoom meetings and probably maybe like an end of the year get together where we talk about what did we do during the last um, month or the last quarter and what was most effective for us and how did it work? And, and, you know, those kinds of things. And it's got really down to earth strategies in here, which if you don't know how to go about self-care can be very helpful, you know? So like, um, for example, one of the weeks is on, um, on technology, um, Using technology purposefully, deliberately <laughs> unplugging, um, unplugging completely for certain periods of time, using some of your timers to turn your phones off, yeah. um, and then reflecting on on it. You know, at the end of the week, how did it go? Uh, what which option did you choose? How did it feel to unplug for fifteen minutes? How did it? Un- to unplug for 30 minutes, you know, those kinds of things. Did you try a tech-free Tuesday, you know? And so just those uh, simple strategies, that might not be the the thing that works for everybody, but there might be one person in the group for whom they're like, listen, I'm doing tech-free Tuesday from now until eternity because that really helped me. I felt so much better, you know? That's their version of self-care. Yeah, and I can can just say even personally, limiting my tech exposure more recently Mm -hmm. has improved my mental health because it's just, it's convenient because you always have access, but on the other side of the coin, you're always plugged in and engaged, whether you're checking email or doom scrolling on social media, whatever it is, it's good to maybe Mm -hmm. step away a little bit. It's such an integral piece of our lives now. I think Mm -hmm. it's now is almost infectious and we need to learn to kind of peel away from it a little bit. Right, right. 
right. Yeah. You know, one of the things I wanted to say about um, what what we can do as an organization is maybe an example of what not to do. And um, I have seen um, in my experience and heard about in other places where um, maybe um, there were programs out there that were designed for wellness, you know, right? that were really just strategies to lower insurance costs for districts. Yep. And mm. people see through that, first of all, right? They know that that's what that's about. And so I think as leaders, we just need to be very careful that we're authentic in sure. what we provide and that what we are providing, we're providing for the reasons that we say that we're providing it, whatever that might be. Yeah. And and I think that's a, that's a great point. And the program that you just spoke to sounds really promising. And I, and I, I wish you luck integrating that into your <laughs> culture because, you know, uh, people mm-hmm. aren't that uh, inviting to change, but I think, you know, once the benefits are, are seen, Hopefully that'll kind of be infectious and and take throughout your whole entire staff. But, you know, you've given us a few examples. Do you have any other examples of things that people can do to improve mental health and any other resources that you could maybe recommend for our listeners to kind of research Mm -hmm. a little bit further? Sure, sure. So um, I wanted to talk about one simple thing that our calendar committee did, uh, which I think is helpful, is they... um, inserted um, a few um, uh, wellness days into our district calendar. And I think in in an educational organization, you you know those hot times of years when things get really hectic and overwhelming. And so our calendar committee just inserted a day here and a day there, which is, uh, which is specifically stated to be for, for uh, educator wellness. And it's an extra day that they can have as a breather to do whatever that, that is that they want. And so that's, that's something that I think could be considered. I think it, um, it, it's been very well received in our district and, and people really appreciate it. Yeah. And it acts kind of just like a little pressure cooker. Like, you know, you've got that little vent that lets a little mm-hmm. bit of that steam out, right? Bounce it out. Just, yeah, right. Just at that right time when everybody yep. knows we need it. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other thing is that when you're looking at healthcare packages and so forth, making sure that you have the types of um, mental health supports that speak to your staff's um, needs and wants. I know um, some school districts have gone so far as to hire like counselors for staff, et cetera. And I think that that's great if that's what your staff feels comfortable with. Um, In Ferguson-Florissant, we do have um, healthcare resources available for our staff. But when our staff was um, when our staff was surveyed, they really would they'd rather have their healthcare services separate from school. Right. And I think that there's a desire for some privacy and some um, confidentiality, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's important to to sort of take the temperature of your staff before you dive into the offering, because you might have what you think is a great idea, but people might not feel safe or comfortable using it just based around, you know, whatever their um, 
you know, whatever their feelings are. So, so making, making sure that what we offer is something that people, that speaks to them, that feels comfortable, that feels safe and that they're willing to use. Yeah. And oftentimes as district leaders or just people in leadership in general, we're used to problem solving, but -hmm. we need to be careful not to tell people what we think they need. It's important Mm -hmm. to, like you said, take a temperature, you know, and solicit that feedback. Yeah. You know, we, we believe in restorative practices and Ferguson Florissant. And one of the ideas is that you, you do things, you make decisions with people. You don't do it to people. You don't do it for people. You do it with people. Right. That's huge. Well, that's, that's really powerful. And I I think that, um, you know, you've almost pretty much answered the question (laughs) that I'm about to ask here. Um, But what I can say, though, Dr. Crawford, is that, um, you know, some of the things that you've mentioned on here uh, are critical. And I think that can help really us identify and and self-care for ourselves. Um, So with all that, um, Mm -hmm. I guess in bringing it to a close, you know, Anybody that comes on here, we do like to ask if they could offer a piece of advice to our listeners, um, whether they're new or seasoned SPL. Is there anything that maybe you like to to offer as, as a parting word or two? Mm, well, I just um, I think that taking self care seriously, like we talked about, trying to trying to normalize the fact that um, taking time for yourself is healthy and important and should be a part of our American culture um, is, is one of the best things that we can all try to embrace and try to um, get other people to also, you know, come along with us on that journey. And it's hard because it goes against the grain. I think of what we've all been taught um, is in our society to do. Um, And, and, you know, the other piece of that is that um, when you first start on a self-care journey or a journey of well-being, not everything that you do is going to feel good immediately, right? Oh, interesting. You might feel guilty. Like huh. you might take a vacation, but feel like you should still be working, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That doesn't mean that you're wrong for taking taking the vacation. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't sit with that and persist through that because ultimately it's what you need. So it's a process. We have to normalize that for everybody. Yeah. 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 Well, Dr. Crawford, well said. And, and thank you so much for your sage advice. And I, I know our listenership is going to get a tremendous amount of really useful tactics and just perspective in terms of dealing with their own mental health and how to address these issues as they arise in their own organization. So uh, with that, again, thank you so much for your time today. And we, we can't wait to get this yes, out to our you. listeners. Thank you for having me and, and be well, you guys. Thank you again for tuning in to SBO Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Dr. Crawford today. A lot of really good information that we can take A back, oh. not just personally, but to our organizations to, again, help promote that, that healthy culture. Yeah, this episode will be uh, long earmarked, I believe, for quite some yeah. time because, um, you know, not only just the tips and strategies, but just more the awareness, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then even terms that I never knew about and how, you know, the secondhand aspect, right, of trauma is Yeah, is that really was so something. enlightening. 
Yeah, and um, what I can say is that um, that 180 days of culture, that's going to be a growing trend. And I think that this is one of the reasons why we actually tapped into Simmons, Missouri. I mean, you would think that, hey, you know, we're in New York or we'd have things covered, um, which, you know, we have our, our own mental health experts and we have things in place. But the way that they have that, it's almost like a well-known machine. And yeah. how can you have a well-known machine against something like this, right? Because this is so, it's an intangible. Um, and, and the dynamic is just so unknown of what can occur. And, and so um, this is great. I hope yeah, that and, and that, that, that whole analysis yeah. on the cortisol and how it really affects your, your physicality was oh, really yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I so either I'm really stressed or I need to get on my Peloton a little more because I got a lot of you know cortisol going around my midsection. <laughs> yeah, me too. But you know what? There's nothing too cool. D I E T. And you can't leave that out the window. I go to the gym almost every day, as you know, right. and I got a little something there myself. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but uh, thank you everyone again for tuning in. We, we love doing yes, this every you. single week, and awesome. we really appreciate your support and in, in sharing out. And hopefully, you're getting something out of this each week as you tune in. See you next week.